Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thank you for listening. We've got an action-packed show for you today. We've got a preview SMU Tulane, the Thursday night matchup on ESPN, as well as recap a tough loss for SMU basketball Tuesday night as New Mexico rolled over them 84-63. Honestly, one of the worst showings in Moody that I've seen uh, in my time covering SMU basketball. We're going to break down both sides of uh, the SMU sports world, uh, and we're going to start with SMU football in case some of you guys want to turn this off as we shift to basketball. But let's start with SMU Tulane. SMU going into this one, it's Tulane senior day. Green Waver in the top 25. They're coming off a tough loss to UCF. There is a lot for Tulane to play for, just like there is for SMU. Those things should kind of cancel themselves out. SMU fighting to stay alive in the AAC title race. Tulane, uh, same story, trying to stay alive uh, with their conference title game appearance hopes, as well as send their seniors off right. SMU's beaten Tulane seven straight times now. The Mustangs have, you know, quite frankly, done everything from control the game start to finish to win by the hair on their chinny chin chin uh, in this series. I, I, I think SMU is in a really good position to show up and play well. And here's why. One, we talked about it, you know, when reviewing the SMU-USF game. That Jordan Curley, of course, is back for this SMU offense. It's opening things up. It's allowing them to have different playmakers make plays, distribute the ball. I think it's opening up the run game even more for the Mustangs. We've seen Tyler Levine and Kamar Wheaton both have big games now as of late. That's a good sign. The offensive line is gelling, even with some shifting there with Justin Osborne out last week. Now it looks like he's going to be back in. Where does Jalen Thomas fit in this week? Um, there's a lot to kind of go through on that offensively for Tanner Mordecai as he has Rasheed Rice, Jordan Curley, Dylan Goffney, Moochie Dixon, RJ Maryland, and then two solid running backs in the backfield next to him now. And as SMU's kind of hitting its stride, it's going to run into a two-lane defense that is playing really good football this season. Um, and save for a few big runs by John Rice Plumley, you know, play UCF pretty tough. Uh, on the same token, you saw UCF, the much better football team there, beat Tulane this past week and, you know, kind of knocked Tulane off uh, its top 25 pedestal that they had been in, uh, you know, as the darling of the AAC this year. Now, SME runs into this Tulane defense that has kind of carried this season for them. Sure, the Green Wave have Michael Pratt at quarterback. They have Ty J. Spears at running back, uh, who's been terrific all season. But at the end of the day, this is a defensive team for Willie Fritz. Um, you've got Jaquan Jackson at, at wide receiver, the one-time SMU commit, leading the way for the green wave. But I think he only has something like 400 or 500 total yards receiving. So the green wave looked to get Ty J. Spears involved, get him involved in the passing game as well. I think he has 200 yards receiving on the year. Um, and Michael Pratt is a running threat as well. He's got about 200-some yards on the ground. So how does SMU stop the green wave? How do they take advantage uh, of some matchups. Those are going to be some of the key things. As always, we talk about winning the turnover battle. We talk about the red zone. SMU is cooking in the red zone. I believe in, and this is off the top of my head, I believe in their however many last trips in the red zone dating back to the Cincinnati game. 
I think they have one, maybe two field goals. Um, they probably have two. So they have one against USF, one against Tulsa at the end of the half when uh, Kevin Henry Jennings got in there. So SMU's offense really cooking when it gets down in the red zone. Rhett Lashley attributed that to just honestly catching and throwing the football, um, not you know committing uh, mistakes um, and, and just kind of playing more clean. And SMU, I really think, has simplified its offense as of late. And with Ben Redding going out, they had to do that even more. Uh, last game, we saw them bring in Cam Irving as an extra blocker at times. Gage Haskin got the call as the extra blocker over Nolan Matthews as well uh, to kind of bring in that second tight end look. Uh, so that seems like the personnel grouping SMU wants out there when they do need uh, maybe you know to, to run it down somebody's throat. But right now, Tyler Levine and Kamar Wheaton are really showing that they have the ability to carry this offense uh, in the run game and allow that run game to be productive. Uh, they're both different styles. We see this kind of the speed and glimpses of explosiveness from Kamar Wheaton. And then on the flip side, we see the bruising style of Tyler Levine that kind of wears on uh, opponents in the second half. For me, it's going to be critical to run the ball once again and be productive doing so. I, I feel like with this offense, it's still tilted towards the pass. But when you get explosive runs, when you get a 10-yard, 15-yard pop, like we saw a good bit against USF, that makes the defense respect the run game, maybe bring somebody up into the box and say, look, we know that they're, they might not be running it as much as they are throwing the football, but we've got to commit somebody else to the run or at least have more eyes on the backfield knowing that they are running the football well as of late. On top of that, it's going to be a cold night in the Big Easy. So SMU kind of ground and pound a little bit. You know, it's harder to catch the football when it's cold. It'll be in the mid 40s, mid to low 40s um, that night. So uh, a strong ground game will really help, especially when you look at Tulane's defense. You want to wear them down. They've been good for much of this season. Uh, they really help them, you know, get that win up at Kansas State, uh, get that win against Houston. Obviously, Houston put up 63 points on SMU. That overtime game against Tulane, I believe it finished 27 24. SMU is going to have to really dictate tempo. And it doesn't mean go tempo, but being able to dictate, all right, we want to go fast, we want to go fast, but hey, let's slow down here a little bit. Let's take some time off the clock. We're running the football well. That's got to be part of the game plan too. Keep Michael Pratt and Ty J. Spears off the field uh, for the green wave. Defensively, SMU really, I think, turned things around in the second half of that USF game, is able to kind of take some things from that and build off of them. Um, that second quarter was kind of a hodgepodge of bad defense and some bad positions that SMU, SMU's offense kind of put the defense in. Uh, Rhett Lashley was talking about that fourth down when they went for it, and um, it was supposed to be a, uh, you know, draw them off sides, and, uh, and Branson Hickman thought they jumped. They didn't incomplete pass turnover. In that sense, he really wanted to try to jump, draw them off sides and not even, you know, run a play. And if they didn't jump off sides, they were going to punt. But Branson Hickman thought they jumped. And then that's uh, kind of what happened there. The result, um, I, I believe that was the one that led to a field goal. So, um, you know, if you're SMU defensively, it's, going to be critical that you wrap up Michael Pratt, get him to the ground when you have opportunities. I will say this, 
if you're Scott Simons and watching what he's done this year against some mobile quarterbacks, they've got some things they can learn from when they uh, face Tulsa's backup quarterback a little bit and, and things they can clean up uh, from, uh, you know, that game, just overall, some of the quarterback runs. But then you can kind of look at what they did to John Rice Plumley against UCF. It's a different offense. It's not a spread kind of, you know, veer, triple option type of deal, rushing attack. But Michael Pratt can run the football. He has run the football against SMU and helped help Tulane move the ball down the field. When you look at what they're going to be able to do to SMU, the run defense for SMU has been poor mo mo oh God, most of the year. For SMU to have a chance, I am a believer of this. It's okay if Ty J Spears is the only thing that Tulane has going for themselves. What can happen is Pratt getting loose on runs, explosive plays in the pass game. The secondary is going to have to you know, show improvement um, from what they've shown the last few weeks. Tall task. Tulane has a little bit of a different wide receiver core. You've got a shifty guy in Jaquan Jackson uh, and, and kind of more of a slot as your leading receiver. SMU has to do things to limit the explosive plays from Tulane. And honestly, if they want Ty J Spears to be the guy to try and you know, lead Tulane to this win and be one-dimensional as all get out, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Obviously, you don't want to give up, you know, 250 yards rushing to a guy like Ty J Spears. But all I'm saying is, is if that's, if he's chipping away and he's not, you know, getting some explosive plays, look, Tulane just doesn't necessarily have the juice overall offensively. They've been playing well as of late as an offense. But really, when you look at their offense, they just don't necessarily have those horses as a whole to really go, go, go like SMU does. So that's why the turnover battle is going to be important. SMU can't turn it over. You're on the road. It's senior day for Tulane. You don't want to give them energy to feed off of. Um, that'll be important. SMU's got to play clean football uh, and take care of business on that front offensively. Um, I think Ty J Spears is going to get his. That's just kind of how it's gone defending the run for SMU this year. But I will say they've done a decent job kind of limiting some explosive plays, especially you look at Brian Petit. He didn't necessarily get loose too much, um, which he can, and they held him a whole yard below his uh, yards per carry average uh, during this season. So they did a good job on Brian Petit, one of the best uh, in terms of explosive plays and in terms of just production in the league. So tough task for SMU. This weekend, or well, Thursday night against Tulane on ESPN. Uh, we'll be there in New Orleans covering that one. It's a huge opportunity for SMU to, look, not only keep their claim uh, to a potential AAC title game berth on, you know, it's on live support, but they still have a chance. Um, Cincinnati could, you know, end that this weekend as they take on Temple. But um, this is still a big game. SMU's beat Tulane seven straight times. They don't want to start, a, 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 a you know, with, with a loss in this one. This would be just fuel to the fire for Tulane for years to come if they can you know, bounce back from that loss to UCF. And then honestly, if you look ahead for Tulane, they would be able to smell some blood in the water. They've got a tough matchup against Cincinnati. And then all bets are off for the right to go to the AAC title game. Willie Fritz is a great coach. I think he deserves this type of success. SMU can't allow it, though. They've got to really come out and be ready to go. Tulane always plays hard. 
They always play SMU hard. They've just ended up on the wrong side of it for seven straight times. I think SMU is going to go down there and take care of business. Um, I expect a lower scoring game with it being being chilly out there. I see SMU winning this one 31-27 um, and, and being able to uh, get out of there with a win. I will say, if you look back at this contest through the last seven times, I believe SMU has only scored less than 31 points uh, or 35 points once. Um, it was about five years ago. So this is a team that SMU has traditionally been able to put up a good number of points on. I just feel like the the cold weather is going to impact both teams. I think we see a little bit of a stalemate here at times as some of these defenses maybe settle in a little bit and kind of embrace this cold weather and football weather we're going to see. Um, I think this is a game SMU is going to need its defense to step up and make some plays. I love what SMU is doing offensively with, honestly, a simplified game plan. Um, as far as running the football, getting it to Curly, getting it to Rice, um, and letting the rest kind of do itself. Um, we haven't seen as many trick plays. We saw, um, you know, the double reverse against USF to kind of keep them on their heels as SMU was getting up big. But we haven't seen a lot of the – I mean, there were times earlier this year that they were doing two, two reverses a game and or two double reverses a game and things like that and too many jet flips. They've really done a good job of simplifying it. That's why I like SMU in this one. Take the simple approach. If you start getting into, you know, some trickery and some window dressing and things like that, I think Tulane's too good of a defense. I think they're going to be able to sniff it out. Play simple, get your playmakers the ball, and move on with a win. So I'm going to go ahead and pick SMU 31, Tulane 27. Uh, like the Mustangs to get this one. I, I think they're starting to play with some real confidence. Um, obviously, this is a type of game on a Thursday night that, you know, you look at it and and there have been moments in the past where SMU has absolutely missed opportunities to make a statement on an ESPN. Tulane's good enough to make them pay if they if they don't play up to how they can. Uh, but I just like where SMU's at right now. Short week for both teams. Tulane got done playing late Saturday. SMU was tucked in bed by the time Tulane's uh, game finished up. Um and, and I think the way SMU handled the week, they got out on the field, got the guys moving. They also took care of the bodies a little bit. Um, I think having the short week and not having to overthink how to game plan for Tulane might help SMU here. So SMU 31, Tulane 27, that's my prediction. You lock it in. Now, we move over to basketball. A tough game for Rob Lanier's crew. Uh, we'll spend a few minutes on it here. And I think when you look at their issues – there's a lot of them. I think a lot of them are offensively. The front court didn't really get much going at all. FAODG struggled. I mean, his night was, especially early on, he got a few looks at the basket and didn't get any to fall. And then he tipped one in that he had had a chance to rebound for UNM. So, like, that was just the type of night he had overall. Moen Jai went one for five. Xavier Foster only played three minutes. Keon Ambrose Hilton picked up two fouls pretty quickly when he entered the game later on. Um, didn't produce offensively. So, I, I mean, I just think when you look at what's what's going on, a lot of it is rooted in the front court's lack of production. They they threw it inside a few times early on, and they didn't get anything. Um, I mean, I think both teams missed the first, like, three shots they took. Um, so it was pretty slow, slow rolling to start. But then UNM picked it up. I will say this about UNM. Veteran team that has played a lot of college basketball. I believe they returned all five starters. They've got guys with talent, Jamal Mashburn Jr., uh, Morris Udesi, Wichita State transfer, um, 
Jalen House. I mean, they they have some guys. This isn't a team that, you know, just because you see New, New Mexico isn't good. Um, they took it to a team that's still learning how to play uh, together without a doubt, learning systems, learning the expectations, and and did not handle, a, I thought, a strong performance again against a top 25 Dayton team on the road. They didn't handle success well at all. They came out flat. Um, and even Zach Nuttall uh, said basically in the postgame that, you know, our preparation was good, but you kind of worried that this type of um, performance was coming after a good performance at Dayton. So um, the front court has to get some things figured out. The jump hooks, get them out, turn, drop step, go up for a layup. Um, that is a higher percentage look. That is what SMU needs offensively to open up some of these shooters or better shots. When that failed, it kind of turned into a little loosey-goosey on offense. Zurich Phelps was pressing, and I thought Zurich played a decent game. He shot 5 of 11, um, kind of was able to create a little bit, had some turnovers. Uh, there's no doubt that Zach Nuttall, Zurich Phelps, Sam Williamson are, are kind of having and expected to carry this thing right now um, offensively, and we're seeing them press a little bit. If the front court can kind of get going, that would help in a big way. Um, I just think right now they're being asked so much of them and they're having to shoulder so much. It's hurting their overall line and performance and all of those things. So they've got to find ways to get better shots um, and shot selections. Uh, that is critical for the Mustangs moving forward offensively. Uh, turnovers, they committed 30 of them. That just goes back uh, to, to that. I mean, you had... Um, you know, balls being poked out by by UNM. You had uh, straight up just dribbling the ball away. Uh, you had a charge on FAODG. You just had a lot of things that really hurt this team and, and forced turnovers in the in the first half. UNM took it took advantage of them. I believe they scored eighteen points or twenty four points, something like that, off turnovers. Um, and UNM was able to really you know, take advantage, fast break points, uh, points in the paint. They dominated. Uh, SMU didn't really get anything going on the offensive glass either. Had a couple here or there. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it is, is just a veteran team for Richard Patino taking advantage of SMU's mistakes early on, jumping all over them, and then cruising in the second half. Um, I felt the defense did tighten up a little bit in the second half. They didn't allow as many, you know, points in the paint, fast break points, things like that. Um, UNM shot a little bit better from beyond the arc. And as a result of that, points per possession were up for UNM. But in terms of settling in and trying to play defense in the fat in the half court, I thought SMU was a little bit better in terms of their structure. Uh, but UNM was just hitting shots. So uh, SMU never really got off the mat once they went down about 10. Uh, and then from there, UNM just kind of expanded that lead. So uh, a really tough game for Rob Lanier. Uh, talking with him after the game, uh, he said, look, the, the Dayton game was a loss. We played, we played hard, we fought back, and we didn't get it done. This is adversity because, as he put it, SMU showed fight at Dayton. They showed quit against UNM. And look, I mean, I don't question effort because I'm not in there. But when a coach says it, I can talk about it a little bit. Um, you know, unless you can really see some rare moments of quit. But SMU just looked tired. They looked like they didn't necessarily want to be there. Um, and, and I think it showed in their play. I think they thought that they could kind of 
you know, come back based on what they did against Dayton. Uh, so SMU is going to have to circle the wagons. They play Evanston, uh, Evansville on uh, Saturday at 2 p.m. in Moody. ESPN Plus for that one. They'll be looking to get back to 500. Really, really disappointing performance after a, a game. And I thought the crowd was good. I think the students ended up, you know, filling in and showing up. It's not going to be this insane atmosphere right now. And from start to finish, they didn't have anything to cheer about. But it was a good crowd for a Tuesday night non-conference game that isn't necessarily a marquee one. Um, SMU's got to figure out a way to circle the wagons here and bounce back against Evansville. Um, and and I, I think we'll see a lot of this with this team, kind of up, down, up, down, uh, different levels of effort and, and consistency throughout the year. They've got to figure out their front court. Maybe you just let Xavier Foster, who only played three minutes, get out there and just work out his kinks. Uh, Rob Lanier said they're bringing him along. He's been out of basketball for a while in terms of games. So um, he and his camp have talked a lot about that. So it sounds like a lot of development uh, push is kind of going on with Xavier Foster, a former four-star prospect they brought in this summer. So for SMU, they've got to circle the wagons and and uh, come out with a much better effort and intensity against Evansville. So we'll be watching that on Saturday. Um, obviously, we won't have an SMU game to watch. So uh, be sure to keep it locked at ontheponyexpress.com. Guys, please subscribe to our YouTube page. Appreciate all you guys who have. Uh, we'll, of course, drop our reaction podcast to the SMU Tulane game on Friday. Pick up a subscription to ontheponyexpress.com. Get a free Founders Club hat still. There are a few, few left uh, in that regard. So pick up those. Check those out. Appreciate all your guys' support and enjoy SMU Tulane. If you're down in the Big Easy, let us know, uh, and we'll see you at the game. Uh, at Yulman Stadium, Thursday night, ESPN. Thanks for listening to this edition, and we will catch you guys on Friday. Have a good one.